Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Sophie, and we are Double Booked. We acknowledge that this podcast is created on Jar Jar Barung and Wurundjeri Country and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. You can find us on Instagram at doublebooked.podcast, and I'm on Instagram as at katereads underscore. And I'm at sophies.little.library. Welcome to Double Booked. Thank you for joining us for our November Book Club episode. A month ago, we announced that Lola in the Mirror by Trent Dalton was Kate's pick for this month, and we have loved seeing you all read it alongside us. Today, we'll be discussing our likes, dislikes, the writing style, the absolute heartbreaking scenes, the ending, and if we would recommend it or not. This will not be spoiler-free, so please listen only if you've read it or are planning not to read it. But before we get into the episode, recommendations. What have you got for us this week, Kate? I have another podcast recommendation. It's a bit of a brutal one, to be honest. The True Crime Conversations podcast by Mamma Mia. And this episode was about Lucy Letby. Do you remember the the trial of Lucy Letby? She was the nurse in the UK that killed all those newborn babies. I know it's a really, really grim recommendation. Mm, Yes, it is. Carry on. (laughs) I know. It's actually traumatic. But it is such an interesting interesting podcast. It talks about um, like start to finish what she did, then her trial and her conviction. She was yeah obviously convicted for um, I think eight or nine murders and then like seven attempted murders. It was like oh god oh horrific. Like I've my partner and I listened to it while we were on a road trip last week and we didn't speak. It went for like an hour and we like did not talk except for being like oh my god like are you kidding me? Like it was just the most horrific story, but interesting. I think also because obviously I'm a nurse as well. And we talked about a lot at work when it came out, like the the story came Mm -hmm. out and hit the news. So just like hearing the details of it was wild. So, so insane, but highly recommend listening to the podcast. It was very interesting. Oh God. I just don't know if I could, I don't know if I could, to be honest. Yeah. It sounds fascinating, but I know it's like trigger warnings plus 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 Mm. like definitely go into it knowing about Lucy Letby so that is my recommendation do you have a bit of a nicer recommendation than I do (laughs) uh yes I do I think um my recommendation this week is another episode of the imperfects so I think I've talked about the imperfects podcast before Mm. um this is a good podcast oh it's so good it's um Hugh Van Kylenberg Ryan Shelton and Josh Van Kylenberg. Um, mm. They're just—I just think they're what they're doing is is amazing and really interesting. This episode that I'm recommending today, though, is um, with Hamish McDonald. So Hamish McDonald, you might know from ABC Radio National. You might know him from The Project. You might know him from mm. Q and A. He's been everywhere. He's done everything. He's one of Australia's, I would say, most prolific journalists in terms mm. of all the different places that he has you know, being front facing, you would see him in many different ways. I love Hamish McDonald. I think he's brilliant. I think he's so intelligent. I just have always followed him with a really keen interest. So hearing more about his story on this podcast episode was has been so interesting. I, I am only maybe three quarters of the way through it. I've been sort of stopped starting it. Um mm. but going back to it every chance I get at the moment, hearing about his um his journalism career from him as a child to when he was in high school to now hearing about his personal life and coming out as gay to his really conservative father's been fascinating. Mm. I just I have loved learning more about him. Um, I, I just think yeah, this is a really great episode. So if you have great interest in Hamish, please listen to this. I saw a um, little snippet from one of the Imperfects podcasts today, one of their um, past episodes. So I actually must go through their back catalogue and have a look what I've missed. There's, Such a good podcast. Oh, there's like so many huge names attached mm. to this podcast. Like the people that they get on, the way that people are so welcome to be so vulnerable on this podcast yeah. I think, is what I really connect with. And actually it was interesting, even Hamish said at one point when um, – when they were interviewing him, they asked him a question and said, you don't have to answer this if you're not comfortable with it. If you don't want to go there, that's totally fine. And and he mm. said, oh, you're so, you're so generous with your interview questions or so gentle or I forget what the word was that he used, but he said, you know, if it's me, I'm like, you didn't answer the question, answer the question, answer the question. Like, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> but they were like, if it's too much, like the, like the, the way that they, their, their approach is so gentle. So he, um, he, yeah, even he, he noted that that was really that's special so for them. So mm. cool. I love it. And what are you reading at the moment? Um, nothing. 
<laughs> nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. I've got nothing on the go. I've got no physical book. I've got no audio book. My brain is fried. What? It's December. Life is so busy. I've got nothing on the go. And I, there's nothing that I want to pick up. There's nothing that I want to listen to. I can't commit to anything. I just, I'm in a real, like, nothing phase of my life. Hang on. <laughs> I'm panicked. Does this mean you either finished all roads lead here or <laughs> dnf'd it because i am nervous <laughs> i'm this either so, way so oh, pleased no. to report that i loved it yes <laughs> i oh absolutely god, how about this? oh my god i absolutely smashed right. through it smashed through it so uh, last week i went to melbourne on the trains so i had, I had yeah. you know over four hours um round trip and i just was powering through it was so obsessed absolutely loved it came home and was like reading I was up until like one in the morning came reading this book and that's you messaged me haven't done this for like a long time to be I completely forgot because you messaged me and you were like halfway through and I was like how are you halfway through didn't you start this morning this book's like 500 pages long (laughs) and it was like one o'clock in the morning I'm like mate go to bed (laughs) oh and I think that isn't it wonderful it's so funny because at the beginning when I started this book, you said to me, it's a slow burn, strap in. And I was like, yeah, oh, okay. But I've worked out just from you saying that, that is, I think, what I find so tricky about some romance reads is that it's too mm. quick because I love yeah. this one because of the slow burn. And this was like not oh even God, like, this book. not even just a slow burn, but like at certain points I was like, come on, guys, like, yeah. We all know what's happening here. Like, catch yeah, up. get it together. Yeah, but I, I liked it because it felt more real. I think. Yeah, that's why. Oh my god! Oh, but this I loved book it. Has my whole heart. I loved it so much. It was oh, a brilliant recommendation. I'm so <laughs> glad. Is it like there has to be no better feeling than recommending a book to someone being like, "This is my favorite book. Be careful." Yeah. <laughs> like. I hope you love it too. And they do. Like, oh, and, oh. Yeah, and like, please don't hate it. Please don't, please don't. That's why I'm it. like, be careful. <laughs> like, if you, that's why I was like, oh, I haven't heard from you. Like, it's concerning. <laughs> oh my oh. gosh. I'm so glad. It's really, I really, I really loved it. And I actually had so many people message and say that they read it and loved it. I actually had lots of people. It's very underrated. I had lots of people too, actually, which is really lovely feedback for you that are not bookstagrammers that are people that I either know in real life or follow both of us mm-hmm. that are bookstagrammers that said I read this book on Kate's recommendation and I loved it loved it loved it stop it I know so lovely oh my god I love that <laughs> that just made my day you're just, I love you're that. just slowly turning us all into into lovers of this book yeah good that's how it should be do you want to do you want to know what I'm not a lover of I was gonna say please don't tell me that you're still reading Iron Flame (laughs) (laughs) this fucking book (laughs) Iron fucking flame oh my god I nearly DNF'd it yesterday I did I did I know I know you've got but you know what I think you need to I'm like three quarters of the way through and it's just picked up and I'm like oh okay like I'm like very invested right now like there's slow burn, which we love in roads, and there's just like, oh come on, stop being a pain in the ass. This is such mm. a waste of my time. And at what someone at work saw me carrying it. Nah, yeah, too much. exactly. Someone at work saw me carrying it today, and she's like, oh my daughter's reading that. I was like, that poor thing, because I can't <laughs> deal with this fucking book. <laughs> oh my god, and I have had my DMs have blown up since I posted yesterday that I wasn't enjoying it. And I think I'm now on your side of the algorithm where everyone's just like, yeah, it's trash. Like, don't finish it. It's trash. It's not worth it. Or everyone's like, it's worth it for the last 100 pages. I'm like, it's a big bloody book to read the last 100 pages. Mm. I will say, if nothing else, and I haven't finished it, but I was, I was quote unquote, buddy reading it. And <laughs> my poor old buddy reader just did, did me a real solid and sent me roughly 10 minutes of of voice notes explaining what happened so I know what oh, happens and I know I know how it goes and I know the ending and it's all so I feel like I should I carry a... on um I'm pretty far in I feel like I'm just... like three quarters of the way through can I like forge you the voice notes <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> no because I'm really invested right now mm. like it's just got and I think because there's more dragons so I got to the bit where I'm like, oh, I came in, I'm back. The dragons, the dragons are the go. But I just, I yeah. feel like if nothing else, like, like we've said before, this, this whole thing had such potential, the storyline, mm. the idea is great, the execution, not so much, but I 
think if nothing else, this book needed like 200 pages shaved off it. Oh, the first 200 pages. Just too enormous with not much going on and could have done with a really decent edit and not yeah. been so um, rushed for publication. I think I think that's quite yeah. clear that it's been rushed for publication. And I don't know if this is true, but I saw online that the third one comes out in at the start of Jan. That can't be true, right? That, no. I've, sure. Oh, no, I've read it in, like, a few different places and I'm just like, Shh. And I know, I know that she's going to get me with the fucking ending. She will. And I, she will, I know. She will. Everyone's like, can't wait for book three. And I'm like, no, no. Do you know what, though? I will, I will say I saw lots of, and this is not an episode about Iron Flame. We, we will move on in I a know, moment. But I just to have, to say, I have to say one more thing. I did see... <laughs> Lots of people posting like reaction things to the ending and um, lots of things about the ending, like a, a huge thing. And I had this enormous prediction for what was going to happen at the end. And I messaged my buddy reading pal and said, this is what I think is going to happen. And I was so convinced that was it to to the point that when she sent back and said what actually happened, I was like, uh, yeah, that's it. I've seen like, yeah. And you remember I spoke about this, I think, last episode that I was like, I think the reaction videos kind of ruined it because now I'm expecting, like, top tier. Mm. Like, have you read Crescent City? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I'm expecting, like, top tier. End of book two kind of twist. End of book two Crescent City (laughs) twist. And I know I'm going to be fucking disappointed. Yeah, yeah, And this whole 500 page. Like, this is, like, week three. Or is it week three or week four even? Oh, easy. Who knows? A, boring, wasting my time. B, it's so fucking heavy that I have to lug it around everywhere. It's in my work bag. It's in my gym bag. It's going from the couch to the bed. Like, I'm don't need to go to the gym because I'm carrying this yeah, fucking book around for the last the month. <laughs> oh, as you can tell, I'm very fired up about it. But maybe we'll talk about that next year when I finally finish yeah. it. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, let's talk about a book that we absolutely love. So November was my turn to pick. And I picked Lola in the Mirror by Trent Dalton purely because I was seeing it around everywhere at the time and I was getting a bit of FOMO. So I thought, why not push myself to read it? Because it's probably not a book I would normally read. Push myself to read it. You've re- I know you had already read it and you loved it. So I was like, okay, this might as well be our book club pick. And I got a bit of backlash for it. I haven't told you this. <gasps> I got a bit of backlash for picking this book because a- two people have said to me, you're meant to pick romance book for your book club <laughs> this is a sophie book this is not a kate book this is a soph book what are you doing and i was like i know i panicked oh that's so but i'm funny. so glad i picked it. i would also argue that there's really there's a lot of love in this book there's a lot of romance a lot of love story in this book yes too. which we will get to but <laughs> a few people were disappointed so i am very sorry next year i will get back to my romance books but this took me by surprise <gasps> yay Oh my god, I'm so excited to discuss this. I mean, we all know how I felt about this book. I think I said it when you said that you were going to pick this one. I just, I I loved it, but I can't wait yeah. to get into the nitty gritty of why and and those few little bits in there that maybe didn't gel so well with me. Yeah, yep, me too. Now I made, oh, I don't know if it was a mistake or just like a choice. I didn't read a choice. <laughs> I didn't read the blurb going into this book which is very unlike me I'm a big blurb reader so I think that's why it took me by surprise so much so if you don't if you want to do what I did and go into it a bit blind skip forward a little bit but we're going to read the blurb out just in case you want a a little refresher about what this book's about mirror mirror on the grass what's my future what's my past a girl and her mother have been on the run for 16 years from police and the monster they left in their kitchen with a knife in his throat They found themselves a home inside a van with four flat tyres parked in a scrapyard by the edge of the Brisbane River. The girl has no name because names are dangerous when you're on the run, but the girl has a dream. A vision of a life as an artist of international acclaim. A life outside the grip of the underworld drug queen, Lady Flora Box. A life of love with the boy who's waiting for her on the bridge that stretches across a flooding, deadly river. A life beyond the bullet that has her name on it. And now that the storm clouds are rising, there's only one person who can help her make dreams come true. That person is Lola and she carries all the answers. But to find Lola, the girl must first do one of the hardest things we can ever do. She must look in the mirror. 
From international best-selling author Trent Dalton, Lola in the Mirror is a big, moving, blackly funny, violent, heartbreaking and beautiful novel of love, fate, life and death and all of the things we see when we look in the mirror, all our past, all our present and all our possible futures. Does that just like take you back to the <gasps> book? Oh my gosh. I'm feeling that blurb so oh, deep in my soul. <laughs> what was I thinking? Not reading <laughs> Um, if you have read the blurb, would you have what recommended wrong this with me? for book club? I must. Absolutely not. <laughs> I would have been like, you can choose this on your month, but don't. No, I'm choosing, I'm choosing all roads lead here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, this book. Like every book club episode, we'll start this bit with our book stats because, you know, I love this. So. so this book came out in October of this year. So it's a new release. It has a 4.57 star rating on Goodreads with only 3,500 ratings as it's pretty new. So that's that's quite good. It comes under the genre of contemporary fiction and magical realism, which I know Sophie you want to talk about in a little bit. It is set in Brisbane in Australia and it's actually just been named Book of the Year by QBD Books and it's on the list for top books of the year as well with Apple Books. I dare say it's going to win a lot more awards um, as the months go on. Before we jump into what we liked about this book, so do you want to talk more about the genre? Because I know you are quite passionate about this with uh, with Trent's books. Yeah, it's really interesting. So all of his books are marketed as contemporary fiction um, and have that magical realism element. And I should say all mm-hmm. of his books, that's not that's not entirely true. I'm thinking mostly about um, Boyce Wallace Universe and All Our Shimmering Skies, which I actually have not read. I've started a couple of times on audiobook Mm. but haven't quite finished it. I don't know that audio is quite the format um, for that book for me. But Mm. Boyce Waller's Universe, All Our Shimmering Skies and now Lola in the Mirror, his three most recent contemporary fiction books, are all they all have a um, teenage protagonist. Oh, I didn't realise the other ones were as well. Yeah, and it's really interesting how much for me a lot of them felt like really great young adult books um Mm. and I in some ways I think this this explains to me the level of disconnect that some people can have with his books he seems to be very polarizing people either love his work or hate his work but I I love YA books and I wonder sometimes if that's why I've connected so strongly to this and and I know that young adult books are often a way to explore really huge, huge concepts and huge elements of society. And this is exactly what he was doing with Lola. This is exactly what he was doing with Boy Swallow's Universe. And I, it's interesting to me that, yeah, this is not a book that is, that is set in the, in the genre of young adult. And rightly or wrongly so, I just wanted to put that out there. That's something that I think about often when I read his books. That's so interesting. Do you think that's why, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, why maybe I didn't connect with the with the first half of this book because it was very YA and then shit just went crazy. Mm. So then I think it was like very much not YA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's that's a good because I don't like re- reading YA. I really, really, really don't like um that genre. It just mm. doesn't just doesn't gel with me. But maybe that's why the first half of the book didn't really grab me because yeah, it was quite YA. Now that you've said that, that's a great point. Now should we dive into what we loved about this book? My list is so long. Yeah, I think I think we definitely need to get into this first. And I really would like you to go first in this because you have finished this so very recently and it's been a little while for me. So you kicking off will uh, help jog my memory too, I think. Yeah, I the reason that this podcast is coming out later than normal is because A, it took me ages to read because it, it's December and it's busy. <laughs> but B, because I'm so fucking traumatised. <laughs> I just need to like I was like I can't talk about this book for like three days I was like I'm sorry to everyone who subscribes to our podcast but you're gonna have to wait because your girl is gonna cry so where do I even start this book like I said before I didn't read the blurb so I had no clue what I was getting myself into like I this I did not expect this I didn't absolutely did not expect where this book went which is one of the best things about it so obviously we spoke before about it's not spoiler free so I'm just gonna get straight into it I didn't expect her mum to die. I was fucking furious when Jeff died. <laughs> I was completely heartbroken when Charlie died. Oh, yes. Like, in se- I, I know this is my likes section of this podcast, uh, of this review, but 
it was so well written in these scenes. He, Trent Dalton was amazing at writing these scenes. Even though I wanted to punch him <laughs> while reading, I was like, how dare you? Like, these scenes blew me away completely. It's amazing. It's amazing how much. And this is where it's really so interesting for me to hear you say this because this this is what I'm getting at all the time when I read deep, depressing books that make me feel things in the all the time because no, they're, so well, they're so well written. But this is exactly what this does to me. Like the way that it's written is so well done that it becomes like my favourite parts about the book. This is exactly what you're saying now. It's so funny. No. No. I <laughs> No. Instantly no. I felt... Okay, so let's talk about when Jeff died because that messed me up. The messages that you sent me were... I was like, I'm so embarrassed. I was like inconsolable. (laughs) Like I felt physically sick reading it. And like I read it with like my hand on my chest and was just like, I kept skipping to the bottom and I was like, no, I need to go back and read this properly. And I was just like, I, I'm not coping. And I'm texting you and like yelling at you. And And I'm also yelling at Katie from Katie Reads Things, screaming at you both being like, are you joking? Like, is this uppercase everything? I was like, how dare you? How dare you? How dare, how dare Trent Dalton? How dare this book? How dare these characters? I was like, I had to go to work. I swear to God, I texted you and I was like, I am running late for work because I cannot stop reading. It was just when Jeff died. Like I read mm-hmm. the scene when Brandon was trying to kill her and then Jeff runs in and shoots him and then or like jumps on her and was like you're safe it's fine and then he gets shot in the head and I read that book like three times because I was like no he doesn't don't be dramatic yeah what what the fuck actually really what the actual fuck (laughs) and I texted you and I was like is this I think I took a screenshot of what I said because I was like absolutely not like and I also took a photo of me crying and sent it to you as well and I said no no fuck off fuck (laughs) actual off Jeff no absolutely not absolutely fucking not are you fucking kidding me I understand this is my own fault for choosing this book, book, but fuck everyone and fuck everything. Fuck Trent Dalton, fuck this book. (laughs) (laughs) I was not well. Like, I was actually not well. And I went to work. I literally got there. I was so upset. I was like that deep core, like, like my friend had just died upset, like deeply upset. And I got there and someone said to me, oh, are you okay? You look like you've been crying. And I had to be like, yes, um... I understand we work in a big trauma hospital, but my favorite fictional cop just died. In I've just lost books. someone very important just, to me. <laughs> I actually need to take some sick leave. I need to take some personal leave. <laughs> I'm not well. Uh-huh. Oh, so this like, not that I shouldn't say this, but it kind of like solidified how good this book was to me because that when you can get that kind of reaction from a reader from like a fictional book. Mm. Like, that just, like, solidifies to me how good this book was. I think it it shows so clearly how well he can paint a character that it makes us oh. fall in love with them so much that we have this sort of reaction when they die. Or our and it just rips like, it away. Yeah. Oh, I actually messaged him. <laughs> I actually messaged And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> I was like, I am so angry at you right now. And he's like, oh, I love this. Like, I love your real reactions. And I was like, I can't speak to you. I was like, I'm aware that I've messaged you, but like, get out of my face. You're like, do you do you love my real reactions? Because this is why all of the reasons that this is not okay. A. Oh, <laughs> literally, like it was just insane. I remember just like, so after that scene where Jeff and Brandon die, and then Flora Box turns up and like they're in like a standoff, and then she throws her knife at um, Flora and then runs out. That the next chapter of her running and that like panic that she felt and it was about on page 370 onwards that was just like these short sharp sentences of her being like I'm on the run where can I go who can Mm -hmm. I talk to like that full panic I was panicking like my heart rate was like through the roof and I felt like I was on the run I was up so late because I obviously had to go to work and then didn't get a break well whatever so like couldn't read it that whole afternoon so I was like what the hell's going on get home late that night keep reading like so wired like could not put it down that was I think that was when the book like really yeah kicked off for me because everything just started to unravel and everything started to kind of spiral and so yeah everyone dying in this book was literally 
traumatizing for me. Like I, that's why, yeah, that's why I delayed the thing. Cause I was like, I cannot talk about this book for a few days. Do you know what it was like for me when I was a little, when I was like, I don't even know how old I was like 12 or something. I watched Claire die on McLeod's daughters. <gasps> yeah. Right. Oh my God. That, that still makes me feel sick now. Like if I see that scene when she's on, the, I can't even speak about it when she's in the car Petering on the edge of the yeah. Oh, like oh, never forget. Like Twenty years ago, and I like can't move on from that. Never forget. Jeff that. dying in this book is the equivalent for me. Oh yeah, like I that's how that. much it hurt my heart. Oh, I feel. And really, I was like, this, I feel so sad that you had to go through that twice. Oh my god, like yeah, literally, like this beautiful, beautiful cop is dead, saving this girl. And he's got two young daughters and it just fucked me up. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for like a week and I like cannot move past it. Doesn't it, it was... just like, I think a big part of what I loved about this book was like this, this way that it would throw this light, this sort of light on these characters like him that make you just see people that have a, a life or an existence so outside of your own and, there would there would be cops out there like that. There would be detectives out there like that. That would be hundred percent. That would be absolutely oh. so committed to helping people, and they they put their own lives on the line every single day to do that. And like that's that's really hard to think about with any connection to people that you feel like you know because it suddenly oh, becomes so honestly. real. Mm. So real. Like it was so real for me. That's very traumatic. Maybe because I don't read these type of books and I'm like, how How do people do this? Because I'm not okay. I'm like, I want my romance book back. And then I had to go back to reading Iron Fucking Flag. <laughs> I just said, don't disappointing. I was like, I don't give a shit who dies in this book. <laughs> anyway, what else did I love? I was traumatizing to say that I loved all of that, but I just loved the concept and mm-hmm. like the way it was written. Didn't love them dying. I loved her friendship with Charlie. Charlie Mould. Let's talk about Charlie Mould. Oh, Charlie Mould. What a character. And he just loved her. And he just was like, can we give this a go for real? And she was like, no, Dal. Yeah. <laughs> he just loved her with his whole bloody heart, didn't he? But, like, this, like, 17, 18-year-old drunk, like, this, like, alcoholic mm. that, like, just can't get his shit together. But he wanted to so bad. And, like, he – and they were going to run away at the end. And he was like, wherever you go, I'll go. Like, you're my best friend. I'll come with you. Oh, and then he died. Everyone in this book fucking died. I don't. Know he was a beautiful character. I don't know that I'm ready to talk about Charlie. I feel like oh. you, like you're not ready for for the talk about Jeff. I just Charlie. I think because I read like when Charlie died, it was like in the thick of this unraveling and this spiraling. Mm. So I think I just like the skim past it so quickly because mm. I was just like in full panic mode that it didn't hit me as much. Jeff was so unexpected, like so yeah. unexpected because I was like, yeah. Brandon's dead. She's safe. Yeah, this like, is fine. He's come to save yeah. the day, this cop. And I think because, and I'll talk about this with um, Danny Collins in a second, but I think because I'm so used to reading Happily Ever Afters. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck that, do you mean? Yeah, that's what you expect is going to happen. Like, yeah. I was like, is this a joke? And I was like, nah. <laughs> like, this is not real. She's going to wake mm. up in a second. So, like, him dying, um, Charlie dying. Like, I just expected, like, her and Charlie to be on the run. I thought the book was going to end with them being on the run up to, like, mm. far north Queensland and living another houseless as she says life together and starting off somewhere else and suddenly he's dead there's something there's something so lovely about reading a character that loves that loves a girl with his whole heart and for no other intention other than he loves her and just whether whether that's a friend or whether that's more than or whatever it is you know whatever she is to him it's enough for him he just loves her and wants to be around and wants to support yeah that's exactly what it is yeah it's so different reading it's so different for a lot of us to read a character like that in a book that just he just genuinely wanted the best for her and like and to help her and just to be that person, her person, just wanted to be her person. And speaking of her, be, her being his person, I forgot about the scene where she saves him from that like serial killer. Oh my god, the serial killer! Yes, what a random storyline. Yeah. I made a note that I was like, there is so much trauma in this book. Like, when you think about it. So, like, mm. we haven't even spoken about Erica dying, trying to save the baby. Mm. Like, Jeff died. Charlie died. Brandon died. Brandon killed that homeless person that was, like, an expecting dad. 
that he owed the debt. Oh, yeah. That was horrendous. Like, this, like, the serial killer. Like, it was just so much advertising book. It's a very, very, very ambitious tale. I think, like, there's lots of lots of different factors at play here. And I, I feel like in some ways the serial killer storyline was a little bit superfluous. Like, was that needed? Like it, yeah, like it was not really. But I, I also really understand. But did he come back it... and kill and save her? What, how did Oh, killed Flora Box's, like, wingman? So in that way, it was it was necessary. But I think that it was mostly used as a plot device to, mm. to show how callously a lot of people regard the lives of houseless or mm. houseless people that for sure how many how many people would hear a serial killer going about town murdering people of a certain type and would be outraged and then would hear about a serial killer murdering homeless or houseless people and how that would change their perception of what they were doing mm. it's just for me it was an interesting way to sh- sort of put up a mirror to I don't know society's biases the injustice yeah and and what what counts as like a death that we should quote unquote care about the way that the media and and the narrative can be painted Mm. around serial killers at target people in these circumstances it's um it's really different and that that was a big part of it for me but but then there was that yeah that part where they came the serial killer came back into it and and became a big part of save the the day yeah the the final part of the plot which was (laughs) yeah interesting (laughs) Speaking of the homeless house, houseless community, that was definitely a positive for me in this book. I think the scenes of that community and how they like pulled together to help each other, like, you know, a tin of food here, sharing the bathroom code here, sharing a Wi-Fi password. Like I was talking to M from Bookia M Reads on Bookstagram, who lives in Brisbane, and she was saying like she thinks it hit a lot harder for her because she lives there and she can obviously like picture exactly where it's happening. Like it was so real for her. Mm. And with that whole, like, homeless community, like, I feel like it just added such an important element to it as well. Obviously, like, the whole book was about that because she was homeless living in a car yard and whatnot. But, like, external from her, like, everyone else, like, the well and the just, like, the broader homeless community, Mm. what an incredible um, kind of, like, portrayal of that. Like, I don't know. Like, Em spoke about how, yeah, it meant a lot for her being in Brisbane. And obviously, I don't really know Brisbane that well. I've been a few times, but I don't really know it that well. But I can't imagine reading this book if it was Melbourne. Like, yeah. that would just have changed everything for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that the sense of place that he can paint in these books, in in his books. Like, I hadn't the, been. I know exactly where he was talking about. <laughs> and Boyce Boy universe was exactly the same. Like, the way that he's painted such a vivid sense of place, it's almost like the place becomes, like, you know a really important character character. yeah and especially in this one with the river the river was was definitely a character such a huge part of this book and I loved the way that I loved the way that he changed just in just in changing that word slightly from homeless to houseless because that Mm. idea that they might not have had a house but they had a home they had somewhere to return to they had people to return to they had family like they had they had a place that they had made in their own Community. way their home and it kind of goes to that whole like home is where the heart is sort of thing, doesn't it? And Oh, my God, I thought I was over this book, but I'm so not. <laughs> so out again. I think this is probably now a really good point that for me to bring in something that I have wanted just to, to bring up here that a lot of – I've seen a lot of criticism around this book uh, in the way that a lot of people have thought that Trent Dalton has – trivialized homelessness or um painted this really, really like this really like romantic picture of it I suppose in the way that there was you know like a I should I don't want to say like a happily ever after because it wasn't really that but like but like the community that's like it's not all that bad yeah and I think though a big part of the the criticism has been about overlooking well, actually, this has come directly from an ABC article that I read earlier tonight. They talked about um, overlooking the systemic nature of disadvantage, but they mm. state in this article that he is an unashamed, an unashamed believer in happy endings, and for him that that's the power of writing. It's that turning misery into something moving and magical. So for me, with this 
coming from a place of extreme privilege that I, I have a beautiful home to live in and I have not been a product of, of a system that's been set up against me. I love that while this is based in reality, it's not reality and a bit of whimsy with this experience mm. is, is fine for me in books like this because after all of the relentlessness of all of the deaths and all of the misery... You needed quite, some joy. I quite welcome it, yeah. Yeah. I also really read this recognising that that is not the reality for, for homeless and houseless people. This is this is not the real happy ending for a lot of people. Speaking of privilege, let's chat about Danny Collins on the hill. Danny Collins. <laughs> what a sweet, sweet boy. He was a sweet boy. I love him. So, like, the ever-romantic in me, like, you know, the romance reader... As soon as we got to this bit, I was like, oh, all right, we're on here. <laughs> I was like, excellent. Some romance. But, oh, my God, it was so sad. <laughs> God, I was convinced there's going to be a happy ending here. There has to be because I'm so deeply traumatised and she's so deeply traumatised and she's had the worst life. Come on, Trent, let's give her a happy ending because that's this is just sad. And I just was really, I was really rooting for them. And I'm just, he was waiting on the bridge for her all the time and she had to say goodbye and she cut ties and that broke my little heart and I really thought that they were gonna like I mean it would have cheapened the book a lot but I I wish they would have ended up together like later in life like bumped into each other at like a meet cute at art school but like eh, you can't you can't do that in a book like this you can do that in the other books that I'd read you can't do that in a book like this (laughs) but I was secretly hoping for that so in my mind they met again at art school I really like to think that as well that that would be what would happen next but I also love that like at the end of it she wasn't committed to Charlie bless his poor dead soul yeah because he was dead he was dead and he (laughs) he wasn't and that she wasn't committed to Danny but that she was just committed to herself like I love to her art I love that no Like, like this is all I need catch it's a it's a really nice way to focus back on that like personal integrity and the commitment to yourself and and that you don't need another person to make your life better and I love all the people in her life have have almost made it worse right and I love all she needs is her in a little journal she had so much belief in herself whether she realized it or not through all this Mm. time I love that that's where she ended up but I do hope that once she achieved all of those dreams of hers that then they met up. Yeah, had their life yeah. ever after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, the whole time she was like, oh, no, like, my art will be in the Met in New York. Like, I'm just letting everyone know that now. Like, it will be there. It's happening. Like, this whole thread throughout it where it was a guy from the art gallery being like, the artist did this, the artist did this, and he's showing everyone around her exhibition at the Met. Like, she was like, I'll be there. I'm just letting everyone know now. Loved it. I, yeah, it was amazing how that was, like, at the beginning it was like a form of escapism from her life and by the end of it this was something that we could see was going to become her actual life it's how funny was the ending when she's doing that interview to get into art school and they're like she's like you know your story is amazing your background is amazing you were a drug runner and you were homeless and blah 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 but like I'm just concerned how you're going to pay for this and she like dumps the bag of cash yeah I was like what a boss oh god I love it. What else did I love? I'm so sorry. This is going to go forever because I just love so much about it. You know what is so unexpected that I loved so much? I I did a little like, oh, when I read it, Trent's cameo. Yes. How good was that? that So obviously if you've read love stories, you know that Trent sat on a corner in Brisbane with his typewriter, wrote the book Love Stories, which is his nonfiction book. And this is, he pops up in this book. Like she's running down the street and it mentions like, and I ran past a guy with a typewriter and a sign sitting on the corner, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my God, I love that. It was such an How un- good to write that into it. Such an unexpected little addition. And I mean, there's not many authors that could actually write themselves into a fictional story in that way. And like that, that goes again to so show you how well he can paint that sense of place and what Brisbane is like that people in Brisbane know that this is something that he did and that, that, yeah, that he was part of. I love it. And also like, if you hadn't read love stories, didn't really know about Trent, like you wouldn't even think twice about it. Like, yeah. it was like oh, cool. Like it was like a sentence and it was gone, but like knowing his story, knowing him reading the book, I was like, Oh, that's 
classy. It's yeah, it's like a classic, like if you know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's two big parts of the book we haven't spoken about yet. We haven't spoken about Erica dying or like mm. her Erica's storyline at all, which was like the major part of this book. But like with everything else that happened at the end, I think I kind of just like disregarded that because I was like, well, I'm past that trauma. Next trauma. <laughs> Carry on. So obviously throughout majority of the book, we think that Erica is our unnamed protagonist's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how does, I can't remember actually, considering I finished it a couple of days ago, how does it come out that it's not? Oh, she's with, oh, she's yeah. Um, hey, remember that they, he sends her to get all the blood tests and then he's like someone wants to meet you yes that's like right. you need to hear the story from her kind of thing and she was like at that point she was like oh i don't think she's my mom anyway she basically finds out that something funky is going on and erica's not her mom which i didn't see coming did you no no i no i fully fully believed that Erica had, like, had vanished mom, for the reasons that she said she had. Yeah, yeah, mum, daughter, domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Erica killed the husband. They're on the run. 16 mm-hmm. years. 16 years on the run. Like from Perth down to Brisbane, across to Brisbane, I should say. Like that storyline was so, I just thought that was it. And then suddenly we're, we're getting this storyline of a child abduction. Mm. And that threw me. I, didn't, I did not see that coming. And how much that would have changed everything that the main character would have thought that she knew about this person that she called her mum, that she believed was her yeah. mum, and that she that had that had raised her and taught Absolutely, her from newborn. Knows. Yeah, like how much that changed. She was like months me. old. Mm. Speaking of Erica, she obviously dies, just like everyone else in this damn book. <laughs> <laughs> what a whirlwind to read that you know that scene. Holy yeah, moly. The, the pram going down the hill, I was, like, panicking. I was so stressed. And, then, like, she's in the water. The husband jumps in. The husband can't swim. The husband's drowning. Erica's, like, holding up the baby, like, throwing her across to these cyclists that jumped in. Like, I could picture that so vividly. I haven't been to Brisbane River, I don't think, but, like, that, I can picture it so vividly. That was so, like, and for, for a scene like that, like, I know a lot of people are like this, too. I think that you're the same, that, like, when, when things are intense and there's, like, it's, like, fast-paced, like, it's so mm. hard not to, like, whiz through and, like, skim read and skim. Oh, and I like, do that. I skim read so bad. But even yeah. for people that do that, like, us, still, like, I can, I can picture that scene mm-hmm. in my mind's eye so easily. So clearly. So, so clearly. And just incredible writing for such a fast traumatizing scene I can just I can picture every single moment like it's a freeze frame (laughs) absolutely like it's a movie and then we find out at the end of the book like this big full circle moment that we find out that bless the mum I can't remember the dad's name but the dad pushed the pram Mm. down the hill into the water oh there was like a scuffle and like he like kicked off the pram and at the end of the book, it comes out that she says, my mum saved your daughter. And Bless says, your mum also saved me. Mm. Like saying she killed, you know, this guy died, my husband died, and he was going to kill me basically mm. in a domestic violence type of situation. So like, yes, I'm sorry that your mum died, but she also saved my life as well. Like what a full circle moment. It is. And it, it also, I think, really is a really good way for us to start talking about something that we haven't spoken about yet, which is something that I simultaneously loved and did not love mm-hmm. about this book, which is the whole idea of the Tyrannosaurus Waltz. So throughout the book, right from the beginning of the book, the Tyrannosaurus Waltz is depicted in the beautiful illustrations that are within the book too. So we have to talk about the illustrations as well. This book is peppered with illustrations for mm. Heppel. Um, it is such a rare treat to have illustrations in an adult fiction novel. I loved it. I wasn't expecting this at all. I think it was yeah. a really brilliant way to bring in the fact that she's an artist. Um, I loved the way. It's like that... the equivalent of having a map at the start of a fantasy Yeah, book. absolutely. Like I loved mm. the way that it was able to show that different stages of her life, different stages mm-hmm. of the story and and like you mentioned before, this this narrator or uh, this tour guide at the um at the museum that is talking about mm. different phases of her life, like it was such an interesting different way to tell the story. 
I'd love to see more more um, illustrations within adult novels in the future. And also, I actually have seen someone say that I would love to see a, an exhibition of these work yeah. in like full, you know, full proper. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, yes, that's such a good point. I would love to go and see that too. But yeah, me too. The opening picture yeah. of this of this novel is of the Tyrannosaurus Waltz, and it mm-hmm. it depicts. A, a, a child, a small, a young, a young girl, um, in in the kitchen of a of a family home, and a a character walking towards her that is in in a suit. Um, he looks like a man, but he has the head of a dinosaur of a of a T Rex. And throughout this this book, the Tyrannosaurus Waltz is referred to often as that there are mothers and their monsters and and women and. And the monsters that um, that perpetuate domestic violence against them, and the children that that are often caught up in that, and and are victims of that as well. This is something for me that I think it was incredible to put the spotlight on this in a really a novel that was bound to be big. This is not new for Trent Dalton as well. Like mm. he he has a lot of um of history of this himself. A lot of his work, you know, Boy Swords Universe as well. A lot of his work is based on his own childhood, um, and his experience with his his own parents. Also by his journalism that he's done over the years for the Courier Mail and the Weekend Australian. So he talks a lot about um about domestic violence within within mm. his work and he's seen a lot of that in, in the journalism that he's done I think that this is I think for a lot of women it is a big part of why why a lot of women and children are forced into homelessness or houselessness mm. um it is a really huge factor for why a lot of women and children experience vulnerability in in many different ways I think for me and I'm I don't know if I'm skipping past what we were, we were talking about our lights, which I'm going to come back to in a minute. But I loved that this this is a the spotlight was on this, but I also found this a little bit tricky because it worried me that it perpetuates this monster myth, this idea that that perpetrators of domestic violence are, uh, mm. um, are monsters, and and we know that that's not true. That more often than not, they're you know normal people air quotes um and they're not easily seen seen as a monster but I think the other side of it too is that though through the eyes of a child through the eyes of a you know a teenage protagonist through the eyes of someone reading this who works with children that I I recognize that um children living through trauma and and yes the, the protagonist is a, is a teenager but she's a child she's a child yeah um very much so. who has lived through trauma that this this monster is what she would see and what she would hear about this is this would this would be what the reality would be for her um and I, I suppose it's it's interesting for me in a lot of ways that we often look at a child's story through an adult lens but for children people that that do these sort of things and the stories that they hear about these sort of things, they are monsters. Um, yeah. And do you think it's also easy as well for like, this is how like Erica as the mum explain this to her, like being yeah. like, women have to do this waltz sometimes and you will probably find yourself in a situation because of who we are that you need to do this waltz and like do what you can to get out of it kind of thing. Like this is like Absolutely. how she like spun it for her. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's such a good point. Cause then I, I think too, like uh, with my educator hat on, like we know that we can't, we can't teach kids that it's monsters and that, that it's anomalies and, and people that aren't, mm. aren't normal. Again, quite, I feel like we're lots of air quotes in this episode that aren't, um, that aren't normal that would do this because we know now that that's not the case. It is, it is people that are known to, that are known to you. It's, exactly. You know, it's, it's, um, it's those people that sort of, you know, hide where you sort of least expect it and, but, but for a lot of people that are going through this, they, they can't see through that critical lens. They see it through the emotional lens. And what they see is that there's someone that is acting yeah. like a monster and that's how they explain to their children and to themselves. Um, yeah. So that... I know, I see both sides of it. Mm. Can I just mention something about this? So when you mentioned before that that first... I don't know. You have the book in front of you, don't you? Mm. That first sketch of the waltz. Two things. One, is there an ultrasound photo on the fridge? It's obviously like black and white, quite small, but that looks like a baby ultrasound image on the fridge. She wouldn't have that because she stole her. 
I never noticed that. That's neither. I said when I flipped to it when you were talking, I was like, "What the hell is that?" That's what it looks like to me. So, did Erica? Did Erica lose a baby? What? I don't. I can't remember. I can't remember. I don't either. know. I, like I literally I, finished it yesterday. Look, I have a feel. I have a feeling. I might be. I might be wrong. Erica lost a baby. Yeah. And to what them. prompted her to steal? That sounds mm-hmm. vaguely familiar, actually, now that you're saying that. But secondly, you know how on each following page there's a description of, like, this is one of the artist's earliest sketches, da 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 da, da. Mm. The last sentence says, completed less than two years before she was shot at, by the banks of the Brisbane River. He bloody told us on page one what was going to happen. And I was just like, no. Carry on. We just forgot. Like that did not happening. completely. Like that did not cross my mind. And I was like, okay. Like he literally told us that she was going to get shot, which she did. How crazy oh. is that? Like as you were reading, I was just like flicking through, and I was like, oh my goodness. Books like this, I feel like we should always go back and look at the early pages and see what hints did they give us. I know. Even like so, the next one. Sketch some 18 months before the artist met her one true love, Danny Collins. When I probably read that, I was like, okay, next. Like, I'll get to that. Yeah. Just, yeah. like, skip Danny, over it. Danny's coming. He's going to be coming. <laughs> oh, how wonderful. Is there anything else you want to talk about in our least favourite section while we jump back into things we like? The only other thing that I want to mention is a, is a very big like in the book. So maybe I'll let you go with your least favourite bits before I get back into that nice bit to end out this whole part of, this, of the episode. <laughs> That's a good idea because I could talk about the things that I love forever and ever about this book. But there is two things that I want to talk about that kind of like stumped me on this book a little bit. As we know, I'm not really across the whole contemporary fiction, magical realism bit. So can you explain to me or help me understand the mirror? Because as I said before, this book didn't really grab me until about halfway through because she's talking to this person in the mirror and I'm like, Oh gosh, am I too dumb for this? Like I don't get it. So that that didn't really grab me. So what's the go with the mirror? I'm assuming like it's her. Like and she's doing this like inner monologue. Yeah. Self growth thing. I I kind but, of like, oh, I don't get it. I don't really don't get it. I kind of took it from the beginning as this this idea of holding up a mirror to yourself. And like what, yeah, what, and like into like your reality and, and what could be. And because I thought it was like the opposite, like I thought she was like, This, yeah, this is what it could be in the sense of like Lola was in Paris and she was beautifully dressed mm. and she was with this like handsome man. And like reality, Lola was looking at it being like, No, oh, must be nice. So, yes, yeah, so and then it just kept getting worse yeah. and worse and worse and worse. Like, and then I'm like, Suddenly, she her bloody arms falling off and like. Oh, I was just confused. And I'm like, I loved the whole storyline except for this bit, purely because I was like, I don't understand it. And I just needed to, like, skip past it because I just didn't get it. Yeah, and, and bear with me here because it's been a little while since I read it, so that just bear with me as I try to remember. But I, for, for me, I think it was really very much about holding up a mirror to what could be, but she also always had this huge self-belief in what she could do. Like, think about the way yeah. that she talked about what her future was and, and what she was going to do and her art being herself as the artist. And while I think she was very aware of, her, of what her reality was, she was also very aware of what her reality could be. Um, mm. there's, there's that whole bit where she talks about um, about art and how how much art has come from, like, love and happiness and all of that, but how much art has come from, you know, deep and pure pain and Mm. and what that that means to her and while I don't always necessarily agree with that I think that's that's an interesting interesting point when we're thinking about this version of herself in the mirror that she sees it's almost like an alternate reality sort of thing isn't it like this is yeah this is this other version that that could be and but I love that it was never for her it was never that she was never talking to her future self. She was talking to this this stranger, like it was this person that she didn't yeah. know. That she didn't yeah, know she yet. didn't recognise it. As, mm. as I just, I don't know. I, but then, like, so I wasn't invested in the, the mirror storyline, like, at all mm. until 
she's on the run again when all this like unravels and she runs into the service station bathroom and she's like banging on the mirror and she's like lola lola where are you like i need you i need to talk to you i can't mm. find you and then i was really invested in it mm. which then confused me because i was like and they're like she's not here like she runs back to the junkyard and the mirror is smashed and she sees lola in the smashed mirror and i was invested in that part but like for the rest of the book i was like go away lola <laughs> we don't need i don't get hear. it we don't need you here until we needed you here right at the end sort of thing uh, yeah, I think that again, I feel like I've, I've talked lots about how polarizing his his books can be and the magical realism elements are a really big part of that. I think that that can turn a lot of people off. It was the same with Boys Boys Universe um, in a very different way, but um, it definitely didn't turn me off, but it was definitely like just the magical realism part of it. I was like, no, nah, I don't need this bit. Mm. In saying the magical realism bit, I don't know if I skim read something at the end, but when she gets shot by Flora Box at the end, mm. do you remember like she shot like three times and she was like, it's going through me, I'm invisible, like it didn't hit me. And then like the fourth shot hit her and that's when she got actually shot. I was like, what? And I was like, oh no, like the second I read that and it was like, the bullets went straight through me but didn't touch me because I'm invisible. I was like, oh, no, she's going to be like, she's not going to be real or like <laughs> some magical <laughs> shit's about to happen and I'm all confused. So I don't know if I like skim read that or there was like gaps in the art. I don't know. I wasn't really following that bit. But magical realism for me, probably not my jam. Contemporary fiction side, loved it. I wish I could say I remember the exact bit that you're talking about, but I must admit I don't. <laughs> <laughs> So I do want to finish this section by talking about one more thing that I liked about this book, which was The Well. I loved oh, The Well. The Well. How and wonderful. So wonderful. And and Evelyn that ran The Well. And I just, mm-hmm. there was something just so amazing to read about this, this place that people that had nowhere to go mm. could go to for help and support in whatever form that took. I loved reading about Evelyn. I loved reading about the way that she supported people, that she didn't judge people. There was no judgment to her. She was there to support and to be there for them. Um, And it just made me think so much about the people in my community that I know of that are the Evelyn for Mm. so many people and and how integral these people are to our community and to our society and, um, and just to really reflect on how much we need the Evelyns of society, how much we should be the Evelyns in society, how much in whatever way we can, we should be able to, we should try to support um, the people that are out there making this really huge difference to the lives of people that are doing it really bloody tough. Um, Mm. I just, every single scene that she was involved in, every scene that was about the well, I just, I loved, loved, loved it. And the way she spoke to Lola as well, like, just so caring, so loving, like especially after Erica died and we thought that she'd lost her mum. Mm. Yeah, but like that was just all so, so beautiful. She was such a special character. She was just so brilliant. I feel like I could have read an entire book with her as, mm. as the main character about how she got Yeah, I totally agree. Everything that she did. I actually have one more point that I forgot to mention that I liked and it was just, I don't know, I don't know if it's a bit far-fetched, but like that's just me being, again, the romance reader. When I forgot the part where Lola does get shot and like falls into the river and whatever, and then Danny jumps off the bridge and saves yeah. her. And he was waiting for her on the bridge, and then suddenly he looks down into the river and sees her like fully bleeding out and like going past him on the in, you know in the water. Mm. And he jumps in and he holds her above the water and until the you know people can get there to help her like stop it Danny was what a beautiful. good guy he was so beautiful I love that he was just so committed he was there he was just waiting he's on the bridge he was on the bridge he's just like I know you're in trouble like let me help you like I can help you what do you need like I'll, I'll do it let me help you and then he like sat by her hospital bed for like five days oh he's such such a beautiful character he's gorgeous oh Danny and then she broke his heart oh Lola <laughs> oh Lola what <laughs> Now, you mentioned before that you read a couple books by Trent Dalton before. I've only read one before, which I said was The Love Stories. Um, so different to this one. That was nonfiction. This is completely not, oh, like, you know, contemporary fiction. 
Um, I found the writing style somewhat similar, I think, because that's just who he is and, like, the beautiful way he writes things. But, yeah, this one was definitely different for me. Have you – is it just Boyce Falls Universe that you've read by Trent? Uh, I've also read Love Stories as well. Oh, yeah. um, I, I think, like you said, while it's a completely different genre, the writing style is so similar because I think there's been – a lot of people that talk about his books as being sentimental and it's often said as though it's not a good thing mm. but for me like I love a sentimental oh. book I love yeah me too I love the way that he writes and the way that he brings that um that emotion into it and and that mm. uh, that is what I loved so much about reading love stories so I can see um I can see so much of him in the way that he writes this and the way that he writes that but I um Boyce Wars Universe I loved it it was one that I really when I first started it, I, I think I was a bit like you with this one probably Kate like that I was a bit like oh where is this going oh, like it was mm. interesting it was good but there was about page like it was 100 and I could I think I actually quoted it in my review which was one of my very first you reviews like I ever did pinpoint. there was one page it was like 100 and something 160 maybe something and this one thing happened, I vividly remember it. And as soon as that happened, I was like, holy shit. Like, it sounds it, like exactly it, the same it with was me on. with Lola. It was yeah. on, and it was, I was so into it. And I think, especially knowing that, you know, he's talked about this book as being sort of oh, something like 60% fiction and 40% fact. And like that, yeah. that is wild to me. And when, when you read it, I'm saying when, because you must read it soon. When you I was going to say, do you understand. think I like it? Yes, I really do. I really do. There's, um, I think that if you liked Lola at the end of all of this, that you would like Boyce Waller's universe. Yeah. Um, it's just that first bit that you got to get through. And that, the first bit in the way that we talk about him building the place of Brisbane with the river mm. and everything and, and the houselessness and that that is a really big part of the early stages of the book and it's not so that I didn't like the early stages of the book I just I I was I was so fully invested from whatever that point was on but um I really loved that book I I would I would absolutely read it again so if you do read it please tell me let's read it together because mm, I want to that's a good idea actually I would, I would really love a reread but particularly before there is a Netflix um, adaptation of this coming out the trailer mm, looks absolutely that. phenomenal like brilliant adaptation it, it seems I can't wait to watch it it looks really brilliant I haven't watched the trailer I'm kind of avoiding it because I think I will read this book at one point do you think I should avoid the trailer yes okay okay that's what I thought I think so I think avoid the trailer I think read the book and then and then watch it and love it but maybe I'm just saying that because that's the way that I've engaged with it all <laughs> yeah true Um, that's because I did it that way but I also I know like for me I'm I'm not great at at visualizing characters and seeing people and if I see people that are cast in those roles before I read the book I can't pitch them any other way and sometimes yeah sometimes that's a really good thing because it helps to be able to picture people in it but sometimes that's not helpful so um but it's a really good book I would absolutely recommend reading that I also like I said have started I think I've started all our shimmering skies on audiobook twice. Yeah, um, that's I just, yeah. I just hadn't picked up the physical book, and I just I don't know. The audiobook just didn't seem like the right fit for me. The the narrator I found a bit grating, and I would love to actually try the physical books. I feel like, God, it's Trent Dalton. Surely I, I would have to love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what's interesting? Did you listen to the audiobook at all for Lola? I actually did a little bit. Yes, I did. So did I. Yeah. Because I was panicking because we were away and I didn't, I was panicking that I wasn't going to finish it in time. I ended up flying through it in the end. Mm. But I ended up chucking on the audiobook for a bit. Loved the narration. I mm. haven't heard her before. She was brilliant. She was really good. Yeah. I, oh, I forgot that. You know I'd how I like that. with audiobooks? Like I'm yeah. an audiobook gal. Yeah. But um, this was awesome. Really interesting because I, I think I started this, I was maybe, I was over halfway through. I was actually putting together a balloon garland at the time. <laughs> so specific. <laughs> yep. I remember I was sitting down and I was, I had like, I could like taste it in my mouth, the balloon. Oh, <laughs> <yuck>. <laughs> so gross. But I remember listening to it and thinking, oh, this, this all makes so much sense to me. The narration is brilliant. But I, I yeah. know the format of the book and I know the pictures and I know the, the, 
description of the pictures and I know I know definitely needed it up yeah I think what you and you told me this last episode before we started reading the book you said if you're going to do the audio book start with a physio- physical mm. book and then switch between that and audio because I feel like you need to understand the illustrations and how it's like laid out which I'm mm. very very glad I did I only jumped on the audio book because I was running out of time because it's quite a big book to read it but I, I reckon I only listened to like maybe not even two chapters and then I was back to reading it mm. but it was a great physical book I'm uh, sorry it was a great audiobook coming from someone who doesn't really gel with audiobooks very well yeah absolutely agree and I think that if you recognize what the format of the book is before mm. you start it it will make it so much easier um or even do both, like grab the phys- physical book and listen and do like hybrid reading. Is that what it's called? Like hybrid reading? Yeah, like read yeah, both yeah. at the same time. I love it. Because then you can kind of like, yeah, look at the illustrations as well. Absolutely. And I think the illustrations really form a huge part of the book. So it would be, it would be mm-hmm. a shame oh, definitely. to those entirely. Mm. For sure. Now, our last question that we ask each other at every end of our book club episodes. So would you recommend this book? absolutely yes (laughs) loved it loved it loved it it is one of my favorite reads of the entire year Mm. yeah I loved it so much would totally recommend it um wouldn't recommend it for everyone I think uh it's important to be aware of the content of the book before going in but yeah loved it loved it loved it loved it and I am dying to hear your answer to this question of course, of course, I would recommend it. Loved it, ha- absolutely loved it. Took me, I must admit, it took me a little bit to get into it, but once I was in, like maybe like a third into the book, obsessed, loved it, couldn't put it down. Texted all my girlfriends, being like, "Pick it up right now." <laughs> all of you are getting it for Christmas. <laughs> Just letting you know now. That makes me so happy to hear. I was really nervous when you picked this for book club because I, I feel like I knew that there was parts of this that you would love, but there was parts that I was very worried that you would not love. So I'm glad to hear that. It was a gamble. Was a I don't commit. know what I was thinking. <laughs> I, like, I was like, what? Yeah, why did I do that? This is not a cake book. This is so book. I will, uh, I'll get back onto the romance reads next year with our book club. We will revert back to type next year. Don't worry. And yeah. <laughs> back to stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> Now, speaking of next year, we have a little bit of an announcement. We have one more episode to go this year before our season one wraps up and we go on a little break over the Christmas January period. I'm obviously getting married and going away and there's Christmas and New Year. So we thought a big break is in order between season one and season two. So next episode will be our last one for season one until we're back next year. Can we just uh, focus in on the point that you just rolled over so quickly that you're getting married next year? Oh, my God. We can't just just blast past that. Our beautiful Katie's getting married beginning of February. It's so exciting. We can't wait to. Is it there? It is so exciting. Of course it is. Oh, my gosh. I'm in that point now where it's like eight weeks to go and I feel a bit sick. Yeah, looking deep in the planning stages at the moment. But, oh, my God, we're just – we're all so excited for you. We can't wait to see and hear how it all goes. Yes, yeah, okay. So exciting. But, obviously, (laughs) with with weddings comes lots of planning and we realise that that might not be very exciting at the moment, but it will be so worth it once you get I know, I know. It'll it'll all come together. It's just, yeah, at that awkward stage now where you're like, okay, let's get this done. Yeah, <laughs> I remember it well. Yes. Been saying that, yes. Lots of things going on, Christmas, everything. So, yes, one more episode to go for the year. So we hope you loved this book club episode of Double Booked and our conversation around Lola in the Mirror. As we said, our next episode is our season finale for season one. And thank you so much for being with us this year. We really appreciate all of your support and love. Next episode, we are doing a big yearly wrap on 2023, talking about our favourite reads and what we're looking forward to reading over the summer break. We hope you'll join us again then. Until next time, we are Kate and Sophie. And we are double booked. Mm -hmm.